Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Porter on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000. is a toll-free number. Email talk at WDAY.com. In moments, going to be joined by Jason Flores from Americans for Prosperity. He's the executive director of Americans for Prosperity, the local chapters in North Dakota and Minnesota. We're going to talk about the uh, ongoing debate over Fargo TIF districts. Uh, that uh, continues to go on. City leaders leading a, uh, a review of that policy, and Jason has some thoughts on it. We'll talk with him about that. Also, coming up at uh, 1.30 p.m., we're going to talk with State Representative Rick Becker. Uh, he thinks the state of North Dakota has too many public universities, and I think that's a there have been a lot of people who have felt that way over the years. It hasn't been something that has achieved a majority in public opinion yet, but I think it's something we got to keep talking about. I think our university system is bloated. Uh, we have people. We have state leaders right now. We have a governor. We have a chance for the university system. I believe we have a state board of higher education that's very interested in reform, and I think one area of, of reform we ought to look is downsizing. I think we got too many institutions we're trying to carry that's too much overhead, cut it down to size, and refocus those uh, refocus those resources on what's left. Love to hear what you think. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Let's go to our guest, Jason Floors. Jason, what's up? Hey, Rob. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Tell us what's going on with TIF districts. Well, TIF districts in Fargo, following the um, review that they just finished on Renaissance Zones, the city commission and the tax-exempt review committee are going to be taking a look at the policy they've had in place for TIF districts. Now, it's maybe even overdue that they're taking a look at this policy because it hasn't been reviewed in the nine years since it was put in place. And if you think of North Dakota, and you think of Fargo, or just think of our, our economy as a whole, we're in a much different place now than we were nine years ago when this policy was first put in place. So it's a great time to look at it from that perspective. Also important that they're looking at the guidelines because of what the legislature is doing. You know, this year they pulled back a little bit on some of that support that they've given to property taxes over the years, and that's going to have an impact in Fargo. You're going to have homeowners and business properties. They're going to see property tax rates creeping up. And as those rates creep up and as it costs our taxpayers more locally, we need to take a look at corporate handouts like TIF and make sure that it's the right policy for Fargo. How, why? Why explain? Delve into that a little bit more about how the TIF districts are making things more accept. Because you're right, what the legislature has done, um, I, I think the lawmakers would probably argue that they had to do some things. You know, they they're contributing more all the time to K through 12 education. Uh, they just took over local social services spending. So from the state budget perspective, they're saying, well, we're dedicating more spending to the local government than ever before. But the truth is, they were buying down property taxes. Uh, they didn't do that buy down this budget cycle, and that has left I, I call it what you want a gap and an opportunity where locals are going to try to push up property taxes. So there is that pressure coming. You're right. How do TIF districts play into that? How, how is it that TIF districts are going to exacerbate that situation? Sure. What TIF districts do is they set aside within a certain geographic area, say downtown in Fargo and, and whatever limitations you put on that. They'll take a certain subset of new businesses or new construction or relocations, and they'll give them tax exemptions for upwards of two decades in return for 
bringing that economic development activity in. Well, what it does is it takes the increased property taxes that that redeveloped building would have paid, and it takes it off the tax rolls. So even though we still need more city services going downtown because of more workers and more commuters and, and all of those things, and even as Fargo grows and more students come in and, and more services are needed for a growing population, we've taken all of this new development off the tax rolls, which means that more costs are put onto fewer people. And something like 95% or more of businesses and uh, people and families in Fargo never see this kind of a tax break. So what it really is is the city government picking winners and losers and saying, no, we're going to give you special tax breaks because you're well-connected or because you understand the policy or because you qualify for this, these special things that we want to give out. Meanwhile, it puts upward pressure on everybody else's taxes. 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. Now, the counter-argument to that, when, when this gets put to supporters of policies like the TIF district, they say that there's a lot of development in Fargo that wouldn't happen, that the city wouldn't be competitive, uh, competitive with other communities when it comes to attracting that sort of development. Uh, they also argue that long-term, because that development happens, it adds to the tax rolls. They're, they're saying that if they don't have these policies in place, uh, that you know, if, in, if the development doesn't happen, then you know th- they're never going to get to tax that value. So, what's what's your response to that? Sure, that development does need to happen, but part of the reason that development is happening in Fargo is because of the right kind of workforce and the right kind of people there to work. Because Fargo is growing for so many reasons that has nothing to do with economic development, but has to do with regional development, with the oil boom, and all the impacts of that. And finally. North Dakota's got great, low taxes, smart common sense, and limited regulation, and that's why companies are willing to do business there. Look at the example of Federal Express as an example. The city just gave them, through a different program that wasn't TIF, gave them thousands of dollars of tax breaks, even though they're going to go anyway. So, yes, you can ask this but-for question of would you expand, you know, given these circumstances, but the a smart person in front of the city council is, of course, going to say no to that, even if in the back of their mind they know that it pads their bottom line. So I think that we should be focusing instead on the broad tax climate, the broad regulatory climate, having the right workforce for people. That's going to make people invest in Fargo and not need these kind of special tax breaks that, again, 95 percent of businesses never get to take advantage of. What are you hoping? What are you hoping the city of Fargo does on TIF districts? I mean, what's what's the outcome you want? Sure. Well, to completely roll back and eliminate a, a program like this, that's a big step, and I understand that. Though I think that there's economic data and academic research from around the country that points to long term, these TIF districts don't have the same kind of return that politicians think they do. At the very least, though, in this review process, we want to make sure that they're reaching out to the community, really explaining what a TIF district is and explaining how it takes special, uh, how it takes property off of the tax rolls and gives special favors to some people and, at the same time, puts pressure on the regular individual, the average business's property tax. So if we're having that kind of debate, um, if we're truly letting the people and businesses in Fargo know what these decisions do, what the long-term impacts are, and then given all that feedback and the opportunity for public input, they want to continue this program, well, then, then that's going to be their choice. But I think this is a great opportunity because of the timing, because of the opportunity that the legislature has given 
to take a look at property taxes like this. Um, we just need a, a broad public debate on the issue and make sure that those city council, city commission members know that the public understands what they're doing here and the cost that it has on them. What do you say to people who, who, who will ask, well, what do we do to draw in businesses if this goes away? If this sort of policy, if we don't have this on the table anymore, how do we keep the development ball rolling? You are keeping the development ball rolling. Look at Fargo and how much it's expanded and all the development that's going on in West Fargo on the market. But, but what about city. people who say and that, even in that, that that's that happening? Don't get these kind of tax breaks. I mean, okay. you have, you're creating in Fargo because of the growth, again, in the region. There, and there even may have been a time in downtown where there was a place for these kind of incentives before the region was humming along economically as well as it is now. But you can't just, because you've had these in place and you've been doing this for 10 years, you can't just say, well, it's a good idea now to continue doing it for the next 10 years, too. Again, these tax breaks take property off the rolls for decades. You're making multi-million-dollar decisions here about what North Dakota is going to look like and what Fargo is going to look like in 20 and 25 years. So haven't we reached a critical mass? I mean, go downtown in Fargo, Rob, as I'm sure you have. There's a ton of stuff going on. And it is not just because of those select few companies that are getting these big tax breaks. It's because it's a great place to live and work. And we need to be selling that and pushing that as why you want to invest in Fargo. Jason, I agree with you. I think you're taking the right tact on this. Uh, Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. No problem at all. We'll be doing a lot more education effort as the uh, summer and the review goes along. So hopefully we can talk about this again. Absolutely. We'll uh, keep us in the loop. Jason Flores from Americans for Prosperity. I'm Rob Port. This is 970 WDAY. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. May your wishes all come true. May you always do for others and others do for you. Welcome back, Rob Report on 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. Until, you know, you and I have been talking about video games a little bit on air now and then. Um, it's one of my favorite topics. Yeah, that's right. We, we banter about <laughs> it a little bit. Um, and, and I like video games, too. I like computer games. I still play some of the old ones and stuff, I guess. I, I don't do it as much now that I'm a... I'm a dad, and it's just hard. It's hard to find time for to, to me to play games when, you know, my kids take up so much of my time. Anyway, it is what it is. Uh, we were talking about it. Anyway, I, I got a – you have a fan in our audience. I have a fan? You have a fan in our audience. Anthony messaged me on Facebook last night. Uh, he said, Rob, I listened to your podcast. He's a, he's a podcast listener. Uh, so hopefully, Anthony, you'll be listening to this on the podcast later today. And by the way, if you folks want to uh, grab the podcast, you can find it at sayanythingblog.com. Uh, Just check out the Rob Report link up in the uh, banner. Uh, you can find how to subscribe to the podcast there. It's quick. It's easy. You can never miss a show. Uh, it's great. Anyway, Anthony's been listening to the podcast, uh, and he said, uh, Can you ask Natio what Twitter or media she follows regarding gaming announcements she finds out about? So uh, what? How, how do you keep up on, on gaming news? Honestly, it's mostly through Twitter. I follow most of the large uh, gaming news organizations' Twitter accounts because they post all of their articles, and anytime a, a little news bit comes up, they'll post it there as well. Um, some of the biggest ones are Game Informer. 
um, which is the GameStop sort of, I guess GameStop affiliated is how I describe them. Um, there's also IGN, uh, PC Gamer is another really good one. I have an account that I follow called Nintendo Everything that is literally everything Nintendo based. So those are my, I guess those are my four big ones. And there's a few other smaller ones that I follow, Gizmodo, Kotaku. Uh, but yeah, those major organizations are really good about updating their Twitter. And with the Twitter feeds, everything is chopped down into such a nice bite-sized piece that if something isn't super interesting to me, I can just scroll by it. But if it is interesting, there's always a link to a longer article with more details. You millennials and your short attention spans. There's, it's not a short attention span. It's that I've got <laughs> so much to pay attention to. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I do the same thing. Uh, so I hope that it, going on. Yeah, that's right. It, there is so much. It's, it's, um, it's both good and bad. It can be overwhelming. Anyway, Anthony, I hope that answers your question. Uh, this isn't really a video game show, but uh, Anthony was, uh, like I said, listening to the podcast, and I told him I'd, uh, I'd ask you about it. So there's your answer, Anthony. Um, how how did the Steam sale go? Did you get everything you wanted? Oh, almost everything I wanted. There were a few games. There's a few games that I really wanted to pick up that didn't end up going on sale. I really wanted to pick up Astroneer and A Night in the Woods, and neither of them went on sale. And a couple other games that I wanted to pick up uh, didn't go on sale as much as I would have liked. So I ended up, I mean, I, I still spent way too many dollars, but there's still a couple of things on my wish list that I will end up picking up. Hopefully in the next couple of months here, they'll end up going on sale and I'll, I'll pick them up. But Well, it's, it's just money. It's, it's just money. I don't have a whole lot of that to go around, though, is the thing. Well, so you the, can't take it with you when you go, so... You may as well have fun with it while you can. I know, but I still got to manage bills and stuff like yeah, that, Rob. True. So there's, that is true. There's only so much budget for <laughs> video games, and I like to use it as I like to spread it as far out as I can. Which is why the Steam sale is such a big deal. Because when I can pick up a title at eighty percent off, I'd much rather do it then. For sure. Uh, coming up next segment, we're going to be talking with State Representative Rick Becker. We're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, the university system. He attended a meeting of the State Board of Higher Education. Uh, he showed up. He told them, you know what? We have too many campuses in this state. You know, th this is really, it's an issue. Governor Doug Burgum has hinted at it. Um, I think it's really something that the state has had this debate before. It hasn't really gone anywhere. But I think it's time to have this debate again. Things are changing with higher education. We're seeing very rapid change. Uh, the state's financial condition we need to look at whether or not we need all these institutions. I think it's a good debate to have. Anyway, we'll have the uh, representative on the show right after this break. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY. Don't go away. Yes, I'm going to be a star. Welcome back, Rob. Report on 970 WDAY. I got a couple of emails in about our last, uh, our guest earlier in the program talking with Jason Flores from Americans for Prosperity about the review of TIF districts uh, in Fargo. Emailer says, proud to be a taxpayer for downtown Kilbourne. The rich get richer. If you're going to give a tax break, give it to a company like Toyota, Toyota to bring in 500 plus jobs that pay enough to make homeowners who will pay taxes, uh, not Schmo Incorporated who pays the minimum wage. Okay, we got another email. Uh, Dwayne says, this video game talk is hideous. Please stop. Ah, oh, Dwayne, you old fuddy-duddy. Maybe try maybe try some video games, Dwayne. It might make you feel better. I will never stop talking about video games. Yeah. Well, we can't talk about it on this program all the time, but it's fun every once in a while. 
All right, let's uh, move on. State Representative Rick Becker. This is uh, from Andrew Hafner writing in the Grand Forks Herald. Uh, this week, he sa- he writes, I quote, State Representative Rick Becker, a Republican from Bismarck, told the State Board of Higher Education Tuesday that the state could probably do with fewer campuses. Becker questioned the need for the current roster of 11 North Dakota University system schools in an opening address at the board's monthly meeting. He attributed the number of colleges solely to a drive for, quote, parochialist economic development, end quote, at a time when North Dakota had, quote, little white schoolhouses every couple miles. Quote, that time is over, Becker told the board. The discussion needs to be had about repurposing some of the campuses. It's a hard pill to swallow, but if we're honest, that's where we need to go eventually. Uh, I have State Representative Rick Becker on with me right now. Rick, how's it going? Going good, Rob. What prompted you to want to go to the Board of Higher Education and make that speech? Um, well, what prompted me was uh, I got asked out of the blue if I wanted to come and uh, give some remarks to the State Board of Higher Ed. So um, that, that was kind of shocking because, as you know, um, they opposed pretty much everything that I wanted to uh, to do. The bills I submitted that dealt with higher ed, they they opposed uh, every opportunity. Um, so I was surprised, but I thought it was a great great opportunity for them to hear probably what would have been uh, a very different opinion from what they usually hear. So um, it, yeah, I just took the opportunity, and then I I just laid things out. I think I talked for about twenty to twenty five minutes, and. Um, I opened up by saying uh, my my opinions and thoughts may be different, and uh, you may disagree with them, and you may find them blasphemous. But but I was asked to give my thoughts, and so here I go. And um, I, there were several. One of them, as you mentioned, there, which is catching a lot of a lot of flack, is this aspect of uh, possibly closing down some campuses. Um, but that was just one of several. I mean, one of them that 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 didn't catch a lot of attention, but I thought would have been uh, uh, most uh, noteworthy for the crew that was at the meeting was the idea that we are just so so top heavy, bloated with administration, um, and so I discussed that as well. So it, it was good. It was good to get it out. I, I think really the two issues go hand in hand, right? I mean, on on one hand, if you're talking about the campuses, that's sort of an an infrastructure sort of bloat, and then you you talk about administration, that's a that's a personnel sort of bloat, but. Uh, what sort of reaction did you get from this overall? I, I've been making this argument for years. I, I, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think our university system is overbuilt, uh, both in the number of campuses and a lot of the campuses themselves are, frankly, overbuilt. Uh, we seem to be have engaged in empire building where it's all about just getting bigger, bigger, bigger all the time without asking if bigger is better. And I think that's led to a lot of inefficiency, a lot of costs, a lot of expense. I think we could narrow our resources better and serve it serve the state better and serve the students better but what sort of reactions are, are you getting from this is it i mean is it negative is it positive is it a mix what are you hearing it's, it's a mix i maybe you know uh three to two negative to positive uh yeah and and back to the the, the overall concept I, I know you've been uh on this bandwagon for for years uh, a lot of folks have it's Certainly, I don't claim these are you know new or, or innovative sure. ideas that are coming out of my mouth. But the problem is that, as far as um, you know, in the world of politicians and legislators, there's very few that have the courage to, to actually want to talk about it. And that's probably the only thing that's different. Um, as far as the the administration being tied in, it, it is completely it's just it's the overall concept and 
and they are little kingdoms um, uh, that these campuses have. And of course, it's taxpayer money, so there's no there's no uh, risk reward, you know, balancing out, worrying about uh, long term um, benefits. It's all about build, build, build uh, to create these little uh, fiefdoms. And uh, it's the exact opposite way we need to go. It's it's the opposite way we need to go for several reasons. Number one, our economy relative to what it was the past several years is not anything like like it has been, and it's going to probably not be that way for a long time again. Um, so we don't have the monies we once had, so we have to cut. Number two, just with or without the boom that we had, one has to look and say, okay, this is inefficient and it's a waste of money. Um, and we need to respect, as I always say, we need to respect that this money uh, uh, is not ours as politicians. It's not the state's. It's the people's money that we took from them in the form of taxes. And then number three, and possibly um, the most pertinent at this point in time, is the fact that we're changing this whole paradigm of how we deliver higher education is, is changed. And the, we have to streamline. We have to become more efficient or it'll be done for us. And so now downsizing is as much to do with this embracing this new technology and how it's going to be delivered as it is regarding dollars and cents. That last point is is extremely interesting because it really, I think, echoes some of the things we're hearing from our governor, Governor Doug Burgum, where he has come out. He has talked about, you know, big changes that are coming for the universities, you know, higher education, really in general, just in the way people access knowledge, the way information is delivered, uh, you know, it's 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 moving so quickly and the universities move so slowly. His argument is they're going to get disrupted and their model is going to fail whether they like it or not. And he also made a point, you know, talking about the location specifically. He, he said that sometimes we're sort of, you know, clinging to, to the geographic locations of these institutions unnecessarily. Have you spoken with the governor about this? I mean, have, is, is this something where, you know, have you had a conversation with him about this, about, you know, turning this talk into some sort of a real policy push? No, I haven't really. Uh, we, I mean, we discussed in generalities while we were on the campaign trail together um, this, this concept. Um, but he's, he's spot on. I mean, he's dead on, dead, dead on on this. And I, I hope that he, I mean, he's going to meet a ton of pushback. And, and what he's got to do is, is sort of realize that he is on to the right answer and he can't shirk from that right answer. He's got to push back just as hard and harder. I mean, you've got the situation in NDSU, this talk of building to 18 or 22 or whatever many thousand students. I mean, that is, that, that, that is such a wrong-headed way to go. The, the analogy I gave it at the talk at, for, for higher ed goes to the uh, video rental stores. You know, uh, we, we need to we need to realize just like just like in the uh, early 2000s, video stores were were a, a dead thing. No one was going to invest in video store stock anymore because you knew it was dead. It was just a matter of when was it actually going to take its last last gasp. That's where higher ed is. The question is now: Are we going to stick like Blockbuster did to the old model, which is what I think they're some of the presidents are are wanting to do? Um, or are we going to say, look, we got to jump to a red box model where we're going to hybrid, and we got to start really looking into having a streaming thing like Netflix? Um, and if, if if we stick to the old model, the the campuses are going to close anyway. It's just we, we're going to have been left behind for the states and the private colleges that were ahead of the curve, um, and those like uh, North Dakota, if we don't embrace the new model, are going to be kicking and screaming until there's nothing left to hold on to. 
You know, it, it's interesting. I don't think a lot of people realize some of the numbers behind this. The state of North Dakota graduates, and obviously this this goes up and down, but it's it's about you know eight to nine thousand, I think, high school students a year, and that might even be a little high. But about eight to nine thousand high school seniors every year is what North Dakota's high schools put out. And when you think that North Dakota State University on its own has uh, you know a, a, obviously a, a full enrollment of fourteen thousand students, you can see we have far more. Edu, you know, edu, higher ed capacity in our state with 11 campuses than the, you know, the, the students of North Dakota really need. So there's yeah. that. So, so what we end up doing is having to attract a lot of students from out of state. Now, people defend that by saying, well, we attract them here and then they're going to fill jobs here. And that would be great because North Dakota absolutely does have a chronic labor shortage problem. It is really hard. Even now, when our economy is kind of down, even now. We have a labor shortage. Even now, we have jobs that need to be filled. We need people to come to North Dakota. So the problem, though, is that a lot of the people who come here to take advantage of our university system leave. They're not sticking yeah. around. That's what the data tells us. So this model that we've built on where we have overbuilt capacity and then we're attracting students from other state, it's not working because all we're really doing is spending a lot of money to educate kids from other states who then go somewhere else to live their lives. That's, that's really that's right. what we're accomplishing right now. That's absolutely right. And the, you know, we were told a few years ago that over 40% of the students were staying. And, and that was pretty much a crock. And now fortunately, higher ed did come out with a good study. It shows that four years after graduation, 20% are staying. But what's interesting is they look at it from the perspective of the numbers who graduate. Well, only 55% graduate. So if you look at incoming out of state students, 11 to 12% are staying on four years after, and it continues to decrease from there. And I estimated the cost, uh, and it's, it's upwards of a quarter million dollars per person that stays. When you, when you actually uh, extrapolate all of the data, that's how much we're spending to get people to stay. I mean, it's, what, an, what a horribly inefficient model. The other thing is we're relying on Minnesota students to come here and fill up all of these spots, put their butts in the classroom seats to keep this model going. Minnesota's on the verge, I would say, and I don't have inside knowledge, but they're desperate to keep their students. They're not filling up their college campuses. They're all being sent here. Minnesota's still paying a gap payment. And, and what they're going to be doing, I'm guessing, is they're going to get out of our memorandum of understanding and agreement because they are on the verge of having to close their own college campuses. So it's kind of ridiculous if I was in their shoes to be sending students to North Dakota, making a gap payment, however small that may be, when you are looking at having to close your own campuses. So whether we like it or not, even if we aren't smart enough to do it ourselves, realizing that North Dakota taxpayers are subsidizing the higher education of out-of-state students uh, at, at a very low return on investment, if you want to you know, use those terms, Minnesota's probably going to catch on, and someone's going to be smart enough over there to realize they got to stop farm, farming them out to North Dakota. So we're going to lose that, that, uh, that capacity one way or the other. Well, Rick, we're all out of time. Thank you uh, for your time on the program today. Yeah, always, Rob. Thank you. State Representative Rick Becker. Boy, there's there's changes coming whether we want it or not. It's it's not about who's going to win this debate. Reality is going to win this debate, and we better be ready for it. We'll wrap up the show right after this. 701-293-9000, Don't go away. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. Wrapping up the show. Jay Thomas show coming up next. Stay tuned for that. 701-293-9000 if you want to get in on the last couple of minutes. 888-970-9329. You know, the, um, the, the issue, I, I think one thing that, that often gets left out of, of the, the debate over the university system and how many campuses we have and, and our priorities there is that a lot of times the campuses are serving priorities that aren't necessarily the students, right? I, I think we think of administrators who want to build, you know, their little bureaucratic empires and, and want endless amounts of funding and just want bigger, bigger, bigger all the time. And I, I think that's part of it. I don't think there's any question about it. But I think there's another part where you have these communities around the universities that are served by having the students in their communities, right? I mean, it's it's an economic benefit. There's no question about it. If, if NDSU adds a thousand more students that's a thousand more people who are you know their parents are coming into town they're staying in hotel rooms they're eating in restaurants the students themselves are eating in restaurants they're going to bars you know they're they're creating commerce they're renting apartments they're doing all sorts of stuff that generates a lot of money for a lot of business interests in the community and i i get why they want that sort of thing i understand it it's not necessarily a bad thing that they want it the thing is, is if that's why we're operating a university is just to pack as many students as we can into a, into a community, it's like we're trying to create a self-licking ice cream cone, right? I, I mean, it's what purpose are we serving? I mean, if we're just packing the students in, are they getting a good education? Is this what serves the state? Is this the most cost-effective way to meet the state's, for instance, the state's workforce requirements? It's not. I mean, this... This quantity over quality approach to, to the universities is not serving as well. It's just not. Now, it, it may serve certain select interests well, but I don't think it's serving the overall needs of the state well. I don't think it's serving the students well. I think what the state of North Dakota needs to do, we need to have fewer campuses. We need to refocus focus the resources that we're allocating to the higher education system on the remaining campuses. And then we need to raise admission standards. We need to make it tougher to get into some of these schools. That's what we need to do. And, and not necessarily at all of them, right? Some of the students who had a little bit of trouble, maybe they're not... They're not the elite students. Maybe they don't have the best grades. Well, then we need to find a way to, to, to funnel them in to get them in to, to improve it, right? So we can have like a tiered system where maybe they could get in at a two-year campus and then transfer to a four-year campus. There's a lot of things that we can do. The point is we need to get smaller. We need to get more streamlined. We need to get more focused. And that's going to be the fight with the university system because they don't want that because smaller, streamlined, efficient, focused doesn't serve the interests of – the rabid football fans. It doesn't serve the interests of the business interests who are building apartments and restaurants and everything around these campuses. It doesn't serve their interests. But the thing is, is their interests can't be the priority. Education needs to be the priority. That is the entire reason why we have public universities to begin with. It's not for sports programs. It's not for economic stimulus. It's to educate the students, and we got to do a better job of that. This this wholesale approach that we've been taking, where we've turned, and, and a lot of this, too, is, is federal policy, right? A lot of this is the federal government essentially turning student loans into an entitlement. Anybody who wants a student loan could get a student loan. And, of course, if you have a student loan, you're going to find a university that's willing to take that money and admit you somewhere, 
right? So we, we've created a bubble already, but the bubble's breaking. Reality is closing in on us, and we either adapt or die. That's what's coming. I think that's what Governor Doug Burgum gets. I think that's what Representative Rick Becker gets, and I think it's what a lot of other leaders in this state had better get, or we're going to be in a world of hurt. That's it for today. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Remember, you can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday right here on 970 WDAY or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.